Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. I would like to welcome Seal to my show. I am so excited to have a chance to talk to you and see where our conversation is going to take us. You know, I was a, a young girl and my passion was tennis and all I dreamed about was tennis. Uh, and I just wanted to ask a little bit about your background, how you got into music, because music uh, is a huge passion of yours, as, as I understand. Uh, yes, well, first of all, thanks for having me on your on your podcast, uh, Vika. I'm a huge fan and a frustrated tennis player, so um, I'm I'm a little bit nervous that I'm speaking to someone who's actually really, really, really good at it. Each of us, whether we are you know great tennis players like yourself, or, 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 or great athletes like yourself, great champions, I should say, like yourself, or, or singers like myself. Uh, none of us actually do it alone. There's, there's, there, there are pivotal figures, champions along the way that make a difference. And so with that said, my parents sang when I was a kid, uh, but I, I never sang at home. My biological mother, I lived with her from the age of four to six, and she was a wig maker in the 60s mm-hmm. uh, and she would work from home on a machine and I remember my earliest memories of music of being introduced to music were sitting underneath her sewing machine her wig making machine and she had the radio on or a little record player and she would always be listening to Motown always be listening to you know the Supremes a little Stevie Wonder he was then, right? This is in the 60s. So that was my earliest memory of, of, of this wonderful um, uh, medium that I've been privileged enough to, to have a life in music. Um, but the person that really started it for me, going back to the thing of champions or pivotal figures that made the difference was a teacher called Mr. Wren. And he was, he was this like, you know, quintessential cool teacher at school. All the guy teachers wanted to be him and all the, you know, the lady teachers wanted to be with him. He was different. You know, he kind of wore cool clothes. Um, you know, he was a tall, slim guy, like, you know, good looking, had, had a lot of charisma and he sang and I wanted to be just like him. And he, you know, I wasn't very good academically, but he, and I was always kind of, I guess, like, like most of the people in my class, you know, we coming from a very low income, income, blue collar area. We were never going to amount to anything. So, you know, the, 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 
that the uh, academic resources available to us weren't that great. But he saw me. He was the one that saw me and saw something in me and encouraged me to sing. The first time I sung publicly was in front of him. And I guess I started singing because I idolized him. But then he was the person that saw me and said, look, you know, you, uh, you have a good voice. You can do this. And so I kind of sang to make him happy. And then one day he put me on stage in front of the uh, parents and teachers at the end of year parents and teachers association. I'll emphasize that my parents had never heard me sing. They didn't even know I could sing. But anyway, they were in the audience and I remember him calling my name after we'd done the kind of nativity play. I remember Mr. Wren calling my name and he said, you know, we're going to have something special now. There's young seals going to come up and sing a, a song for us, uh, a Johnny Nash song called I Can See Clearly Now, which is the first song I ever sung publicly. And I remember him calling my name and I froze. It was awful. I was so afraid and I kind of dragged my feet onto the stage. And I remember walking onto the stage, looking out at all of the parents and teachers in the audience, my parents included, and it being the scariest, loneliest place. And I just wanted the stage to open up and swallow me. And I just wanted to disappear. But I sang, I somehow closed my eyes and I mustered up the courage. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. And it was a cappella, so there was nowhere to hide. And I remember being so afraid and closing my eyes and getting through this song and being lost in it and finishing it. And it was like, you know, one of these, one of those scenes in the movie where you could hear a pin drop, you know, and at the end of it, everyone clapped. And I opened my eyes and my parents were like, like they'd, you know, they, they'd never seen anything like, and, and that place that was the scariest place in the world for me to be, all of a sudden became home. It became the warmest place because of the adoration and the love and the acknowledgement, that thing of being seen, I felt something at that point. And although I kind of messed around with different, you know, aspirations, you know, later on in life, like I was going to be a designer at one point and I was going to be an architect, I never forgot that feeling. And it was inevitable that I would always come back to that. And at the age of 23, I sort of got my proverbial, you know, crap together and, and, sort of, and knuckled down and decided it was going to be my career. But it was that Mr. Wren, he was the first pivotal figure. He was the first champion that, that believed in me. And I think I, I, I believe that we all need those people. No one ever does this thing alone. Ever. I, I absolutely agree, which is you know interesting that uh, in my story with tennis, actually none of my parents, uh, nobody in my family had any idea what tennis is. Uh, it was never on TV. There were no tournaments in Belarus for me to to you know be inspired by. And um, a lot of people ask me all the time how I started playing tennis, and I always say. Uh, 
I think it was my destiny because there have been so many things that just happened to click for me to be able to be here. It doesn't, it doesn't look like luck. It doesn't uh, feel like being just, you know, in a, a right place at the right time. It really feels like my destiny because I remember when I was, when I was, when I was a kid and I started to play tennis, I had this first amazing coach who really, as you said, you know, the champions that inspire you to, uh, to kind of open yourself up to experience that obviously is super new to you. You don't know how it's going to go. Uh, also as a kid, you don't think about it too much, uh, into the future, but I remember being young and I, I always played against the wall and wall was my opponent. The ball was always coming back. And from whatever reason, I've never heard, uh, I think visualizing, right. That, or, or mental training or et cetera. I was nine years old and I would imagine myself very, very clear, clearly. I still remember that feeling playing against Steffi Graf in Wimbledon, because then I saw, you know, in my tennis center, they would show sometimes matches and you just stay there glued to the TV. And, and that was like, those little moments inspired me, but it was always interesting for me to kind of look back and say, you know what, where did it come from? Like where nobody's no, nobody has showed me, nobody really has told me, okay, this is maybe how to do it. But there were people that inspired uh, a thought, inspired an action, and it, it was it's such a it's such a beautiful thing. And I absolutely agree that nobody does that alone. It's really uh, interesting thing that you know how you find yourself. And I love to hear people's stories of you know the, like what you're saying. The first moment you sang, it was the scariest place, and then it becomes your life, you know, and you, you travel the world, people know your name, which is by the way, so cool because one, you, everybody knows you by just one name. It's like, you know, Seal, oh. Adele, Cher, it's, it's Madonna. It's, it's so cool. It's not the athletes don't, only if you you get to also uh, have that that type when you name Serena Roger everybody kind of know just by just by the by their first name which is mm. very very cool for me. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of '90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. To hear how you found yourself all of a sudden with this love for tennis. You said that they played videos um, of Steffi Graf at your tennis club and then there was a coach. But but my question to you is, what was the first thing, your, your first, your introduction into tennis? My first introduction to tennis was me going, starting school, first grade and coming after school to my mom's job, my mom started working in a tennis center that had nothing really to do with tennis. She was just doing different, you know, things there. 
and I I was coming from school and she had to distract me somehow. So she gave me a racket. Uh, she found some racket and a tennis ball. I said, hey, go play against the wall. And I started in this gymna- gymnasium. It was empty at that time. And a group of kids, about 30 kids with a coach came in and they uh, they looked at me and I, you know, I was really shy when kind of in the corner and they told me, would, you, would I like to join their group? And I said, no, I'm scared and I ran away. <laughs> and then I ran to my mom and I said, hey, uh, well, this stopped. And she like, she just, okay, well, let's go, let's go see. So she brought me back there and said, why don't you go, you know, just Enjoy. try and, 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 and see. So she really needed to get rid of me <laughs> basically in that, in that moment. What I remember from that feeling was, the fun that was around uh, to be around the group of people and the way the coach structured the class where we were always playing games it wasn't it wasn't about hitting the ball it was about coordination and it was it was really really fun so and after we kind of started playing a little bit more on the courts uh, my mom just said you know what to the coach like do whatever you want to do with her so i i had the my coach as my mom is a disciplinarian, <laughs> the coach is a uh-huh. disciplinarian at the same time. Um, but yeah, I'm the, the, the interest that I had from my first coach is that love for the game that I still have to this day. So I never forgot that moment. That's, that's so refreshing to hear. I mean, all too often you hear of, um, you know, parents, f- uh, having these dreams about their kids that they that you know they want them to be um great tennis players uh, uh, not you know not all the time but quite often to kind of maybe fulfill some unfulfilled uh, uh dream that they had themselves of becoming great tennis players all too often you hear that um uh, you know stories of of tennis being forced upon their kids, like Andre Agassi, for example. For every person, every tennis player, you find that 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 was successful with that type of a background. You'd probably find hundreds that weren't. And I think the key, one of the key things in what you were saying there was fun. The um the 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 coach made it fun for you. And to me, that's crucial. It's it's so important because it was, I guess, there there developed your love for for tennis because you loved being around somebody that made you laugh, that made you have fun. But I also feel it teaches a kind of respect for the game and was certainly really instrumental in your style you know you you were hitting with a wall for you were hitting against the wall for the first year and you did these drills well you know one thing that's very noticeable about your from what i see as a as a novice when i when i watch you play is that you are like hidden against a wall and so to me that um the fact that you were actually doing that as a kid in Belarus is really I- I- instrumental in forming your style. It doesn't surprise me um, when when you tell me that story about hidden uh, against a wall because you play. You know, you're 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 never. I don't think I've ever seen you more than a foot and a half, maximum two feet off the baseline, in returning serve too. It's just not your thing. 
in career and when you're in public eye you see that everywhere you know like after every single match you come out and there's like okay there's judgment there's this there's that um you know i think it is very similar for you you know the album comes out the you write the song there's critics and what i found interesting in tennis there is you win or you lose and in music it's more subjective to people liking it you know there's no clear path it's it's obviously there's you know the talent and when you start singing like people are just you know start crying and stuff but the success part of it and how far it is it's it's much more subjective than than the sport and than tennis so i wanted to ask you a little bit about that of the the way you were able to go through your career uh you know i'm sure you had your highs and your lows you know creative process uh, and etc how important was uh for you the you know, other people's judgment or you had your focus more on yourself and it was about developing, you know, uh, an album after album, a sound after sound. Yeah, Vika, I think for me, uh, the the important thing that I had to understand with music is why. Why, why do I, yes, I understand that I do this because uh, there is nothing else. I don't mean that I can't do anything else. I mean, that is the attitude. That is the belief I had from day one. Um, I didn't want to be a successful singer, uh, you know, or famous. I knew I would be. It's different for me because if I look at the why, why is it that I continue to do this? Why is it that, that I can continue to put music out knowing that it will be judged, some fairly, some unfairly, you know, by some people, knowing that there are some people who will probably say cruel things to it or, or not be nice. They're like your kids. You know, you send, you bring out your songs, you're, you know, it's like sending your kids to school and you, you know, you hope, you know, you love your kids and you hope that the world will be nice to them or not too cruel to them. That's what songs are like, you know, if they're personal. Okay, so when I examine as to, well, why do I keep doing that? It comes back to the most important thing in music for me personally, not for what it is doing and how it helps other people. I am talking about from a purely selfish perspective. What is the number one reason, selfish reason, why me, Seal, still makes music? It's because of the release. I have something that's inside of me that is weighing on me, that is, uh, you know, causing me grief, stress. I pick up a guitar and it doesn't matter if it's one person or, you know, a hundred thousand people or one million people, there is an expression there are all those feelings, that pain, that thing that has been weighing on me. I somehow was able to get it out into this wonderful uh, uh, phenomenon, also known as music or a song. 
it is almost like I feel this incredible sense of 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 liberation, of freedom, of this weight coming off of my shoulders. The fact that I'm able to, for, from nothing, pick up a guitar, stand by a piano, and all of a sudden, I'm writing, uh, uh, you know, a lyric like crossing that bridge with lessons I've learned, playing with fire and not being burned. I feel like, oh my God, it's out. It's out. It's, it, 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 I, I'm communicating that with people. And it doesn't matter if one person or, or, or one million people hear it. It is out. It is real. It, it, the, the, the burden, the weight of that is finally off of my shoulders. And so I call that the release. Now, here's the tricky thing about the release. The release only works if you do it for yourself. It has to be from an authentic place. You can't do it to please other people. Yeah. You can't do it because, oh, this is what they'll like. Even if you're successful at it, even if you have a, like a massive number one you know, hit, global hit, but you were not authentic. You knew that it was bullshit. Yeah. That release does not happen. Yeah. That, and, 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 and it doesn't matter how many people tell you you were great, you, you know, how much money you get from it. There will be an emptiness, a sense of unfulfillment. And so to compromise by doing it for, uh, to, to appease other people or doing it for, you know, for anyone other than yourself is a mistake, in my opinion. As I mentioned earlier on, I, I make music, I sing for a living. I just happen to get, to, well, to be able to make a living out of it. I would do it anyway. I'm the luckiest person on the planet. I, can, I wake up every day and I go, oh my God, I cannot believe how fortunate I am in my life, you know, that I get to do the thing that I love, the thing that I would do anyway, but I get to do it for a living. And guess what? People tell me they like it. They yeah. like it. I mean, that is phenomenal. It's like the love that I always wanted from my parents, the love that I wanted my father to show me, the kind of putting his arm around me and telling me, you know, Seal, you did a great job. Like, yeah. I never got that from my father, even on his deathbed, you know, but every time I get a compliment from a fan or from someone that is like that proverbial hand around my shoulder telling me you did well. That is my drive. But it only works if I am authentic and if it initiated from me for me. Yeah. The fact that some other people happen to like it is a wonderful byproduct. You know, I was, while you were talking about it, then it, it's kind of also brought me to, you know, that, that feeling that I had and the point I was, I was asking you about when, you know, people always a lot of times ask me when you won the Grand Slams and, you, you know, and, and everything, I uh, was, that, was that the hope, like the, the best moment of your life? And in a way it was, but it was, you know, that was coming from kind of that. That was my dream always for sure. And I, and I do feel like every time when I wake up that I'm lucky to be able to do what I love to do. Mm -hmm. But that was that feeling where it almost felt like proving other people where it didn't give me that fulfillment. Those are the biggest, you know, 
moments in my career so far, but it was not, it didn't give me that type of pleasure that I've been able to experience with maybe some smaller wins and maybe things that people don't necessarily see. But the feeling that I've gotten is so much bigger and so much better. And from other uh, wins, from other from uh, other wins, from things that you know that maybe even not even that related to tennis sometimes. But the and and the reason why I play still is because I am able to be myself on the court, and I'm not you know, kind of compromising and I'm not, not that I don't think what, you know, somebody else say or somebody writes or whatever, it's, it's still there. You kind of cannot escape and I don't, not trying to escape that, but the feeling that I have of accomplishment and learning on way, way, you know, bigger awareness than I, than I was when people starting to compare, you know, kind of the, those moments, it's, I don't think everybody understands kind of what I mean because they're looking at the result, right? And they look at the results and you should be happy. You should be this, you should be that. But I've never gotten that feeling then. And I tell you what, Vika, I'll trade places with you. <laughs> right? You can sing and you can give me one of your grand you can give me one of your grand slams. How about I would love that? To sing. I tell I you, it would I would get a lot of fulfillment out of winning the Australian twice. I, I, yeah, once actually. I, I, I get a lot. <laughs> that would make me really happy. <laughs> okay, so this is kind of the ending part of the show, and I'm just going to ask you a few questions. They're kind of very short answers. Uh-huh. Um, so, hint, hint. Uh, yeah. You're like, so- don't go a lot off on one of your diatribes, Seal. <laughs> no, no, no. Brevity, Seal. No. Brevity. Come on now, you know. Yes or no? <laughs> It's more like more of a impulsive, I would say, uh, answers or something uh, like that. Uh, what is your favorite word? Love, I love you. Well, that's three words. Uh, love is my favorite word. What is your least favorite word? Hate. Okay. Uh, what is one of, if you weren't a, a musician, what is one of the jobs you would... Oh, that's easy. Have? Your job. I want your job. <laughs> That's so easy. That you set me up for that one. <laughs> and what what about one of the jobs you would never ever do? One job I would never do. Uh be a politician. Politician? Okay. What is the um equality that attracts you uh from people? Compassion. When 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 somebody has compassion for another a person and they like my son. I often call my son the greatest man I know. He just he just has so much awareness and compassion for other people's feelings. I'm in awe of him when I see that. That's amazing. And what is one quality that kind of turns you off from people? Whenever I see people talk down to another person, like when they, they treat somebody who, let's say, like, you know, who's doing like a blue collar job, whenever they speak down to them and what pisses me off even more is when they're nice to me and at the in in the same breath they kind of like you know treat yeah. the other person like a servant oh yeah i don't do well that brings out a nasty side of my personality <laughs> 
Um, and last question, if uh, let's say the, the heaven does, did exist and you arrive at pearly gates, what would you like the God to tell you? I would want the divine God, the entity to say, welcome home. Mm. I think. Yeah. Well, those are, I could speak to you for hours and hours and hours. Likewise, uh, sweetheart. But <laughs> I would just like to thank you so much for such an insightful, delightful conversation. I oh. had so much fun. Uh, I've learned so much and it's, it's been, it's been truly amazing. I, uh, I would love to see you play because you've talked so much about tennis. Now I have. To oh my God. No, you know what? Let's just leave it there. Because like, so, because from what you're saying, I get in that you think I'm like, you know, a fairly nice guy, very great. You do not want to watch me play tennis. It will, it will ruin this whole thing. Um, uh, so please, please, uh, uh, you know, jokes aside, Vika, it's, been um you know i think it's fairly obvious what i the the admiration and the respect i have for for you and what you do um you know uh, uh, you know you're 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 living the dream that and the dream that people like myself dream about um it's been truly an honor and a privilege and i can't wait to see you on the court again and it will give me so much more enjoyment watching you play next time because I will you you've allowed me the rare opportunity to 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 be there with you to like to just whether I'm watching on TV or in the stadium, I think I'm I'm you know I I, I will root for you that much harder because Thank you uh, so much. I will but remember this. I will this. make a deal for you. Yes. If if you let me see you play, maybe. Maybe I will try to sing. This this will be on the equal okay equal level oh my God. <laughs> because uh, I've I'm oh I am too I'm on... already freaking out <laughs> <laughs> because I am too on the conscious incompetence of a singer <laughs> oh. <laughs> of the, because uh, I'm you're, you're the you're the conscious incompetence yeah oh dear I've the first phase where yeah. after i've recorded myself uh singing i've i've realized that so oh okay tell you what i see every time i think i'm progressing with tennis i you know i i just pluck up the courage to get a recording and uh, to see myself a video and i'm like you're still doing it oh god like it well, drives me nuts but again i love the work there's very there's a lot of uh very um shameful voice notes of <laughs> me attempting to sing so i can't <laughs> understand you from from a different perspective <laughs> well um uh well i feel like i've, I've uh, not not only have i had the pleasure of meeting you but i feel like i've made a friend so thank you for yep, having, yep. Me, having me on your on your podcast and uh, and go vika <laughs>